You're listening to the Zealous Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, I've got Tyler Killinger in the house. He is with Orlando City Soccer Club, Orlando City SC, head athletic trainer, one of the young guys on the scene, kind of like Matt Murphy with Houston Dynamo we just had on a few weeks ago. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rocky underscore Snyder and click that subscribe button. Don't forget, there's a couple of continuing education offers coming up December 9th in Arizona at the NSCA State Clinic. I'll be there doing a whole bunch of things with functional anatomy. And then if you want to dive into closed chain biomechanics and learn about using foot wedges and assessment strategies, well, just January 27th and 28th at PhysioX in Needham, Massachusetts is where we're going to be. Now onto the show. This week, I've got Tyler Killinger in the house. He is with Orlando City Soccer Club, Orlando City SC, and athletic trainer. And we're just going to get right into the conversation. Tyler, give us a little background about what, why soccer, uh, why athletic trainer, and how you got to where you are. Absolutely. No, I you know, appreciate you having me on today. And uh, you know, get to kind of share, share my story with you a little bit. So, you know, I, I think like most individuals that got into athletic training, we all sort of have a, a, a similar background of, you know, we wanted something medical, but didn't want to get too far away from sports. Um, and, you know, this athletic training, it was you know, sort of that, that perfect middle ground, kept you close to the, the athletics, to the athletes, and, um, but still able to, to help people. Um, and so for, for myself, I was fortunate enough to have an athletic trainer at, at my high school. Um, and so I had an exposure to, to athletic training as an athlete, but also able to assist the athletic trainer throughout high school as well. Um, you know, through, through, you know, student assistant programs. Um, so yeah, I was exposed to it pretty early on and, um, really just, just fell in love with the profession, um, and knew that, that, that was the route, uh, I wanted to go. Um, not necessarily knowing exactly which, uh, you know, career path within it, but just knowing, Hey, this is, this is something that I'm passionate about and I want to, I want to run with it. Um, so I was, uh, I was able to get out to the University of Central Florida. So I'm a hometown boy in, uh, in Orlando. Um, so I was able to, to stay pretty local and, uh, and go to UCF, get my undergrad there in, uh, in athletic training. And in doing so, I actually had the opportunity to, to intern with Orlando City in their um, inaugural season in the MLS in 2015. Um, How did that happen? That's, that's great timing. Yeah. So honestly, it was just kind of uh, dumb luck that, uh, you know, the team was starting, starting up in 2015. And that was going to be, um, you know, going, you know, within my senior year, my, my second year in the program. And um, our program director was able to have some connections with the club and, and started to build some relationships. And uh, I just, you know, jumped right in with it and um, connected with the athletic trainers and, and was able to spend the 2015 season um, with the club, which was, you know, very, very fortunate for, for myself, for especially for the timing of it all. Yeah, I imagine. Boy, that, that must have just been uh, the start of a dream job that, that eventually ended up right there a little bit mm -hmm. later. So after that internship, what did you do? Yeah, so after the internship, you know, finished my undergrad at, at UCF. And then, um, like, you know, most athletic trainers, you know, before uh, the education moved to a master's program, you, you go and find a GA position at a university. And um, being, you know, a, a local boy in Orlando, I was like, I, I need to get away for a little bit. I need to experience somewhere else. So um, I jumped out to the University of New Mexico, uh, where I did my uh, graduate assistant uh, position out there, got my master's in exercise science. Um, so I was out there for about two and a half years, um, actually, somewhat intentionally uh, uh, extended my my education out there 
to be two and a half years rather than just the traditional two, um, just because I knew, you know, MLS clubs are hiring in January, you know, that December, January timeframe. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, kind of enjoy my time out here, get the most out of it that I can. And, you know, sort of put all my eggs in one basket that uh, something's going to come up in, uh, in the December, January timeframe. And, and fortunately for myself, you know, something did come up um, with uh, going into the 2019 season. You know, the athletic training staffs, unfortunately, had turned over quite a bit within Orlando City between my internship and, and um, 2019 when I was jumping back over. Um, but the, the network and the relationships that I've made with the team physicians and the rest of the medical staff um, is actually what ended up um, helping me come back to Orlando. Um, I'd gotten a call from the the CMO at the time, um, and he said, "Hey, we're we're starting up our our second team, our you know Orlando City B. They were at the time going to be playing in a USL League One, and he said, "Hey, we, we'd love to get you back in town. Is that something you'd be open for?" Um, and I was like, "Absolutely!" <laughs> and was able to to get back here to Orlando and and start the 2019 season with uh with OCB. Wow, very nice. So I'm curious, I, I often think that athletic training department, that the medical department, if you will, is not as a vulnerable compared to, say, the, the strength and performance department mm-hmm. when it comes to changeover. Like you'll have a head coach come in and he typically brings in assistant coaches, performance directors and the like, but it doesn't seem at least in my understanding, it doesn't seem like that's always the case with athletic trainers. So I'm curious, is that when, when it comes to like major league soccer, do the trainers go when the coach goes, is that more common? Yeah. So, so fortunately, generally no. Um, okay. For, for the most part, you'll see, you know, the athletic training staff is more of the, the club staff. Um, yeah. You know, you, you will see, you know, some of that here and there where, you know, coaches have their preferences or, you know, you know, someone butts heads, you know, it's all about the relationships, of course, with that. Um, but I would say generally within the league, it's, you know, the medical staff is with the club and coaches, strength finishing coaches will kind of come and go within that. Um, but, and, and that's something that I think all of us, you know, kind of try and strive for is that, you know, yes, you know, you know, a coach will switch over eventually. You know, that's just the nature of the game, but being able to have a little bit of that stability and create that culture and that department um, really, you know, at least in our opinion, that's, what's going to be the thing to, to really guide the team, um, you know, in the right direction towards success and allow us to support the different coaches as they come in and out. What about the, the culture within the athletic trainers and the medical staff? Cause we do talk about team culture normally it's about the players and the coaches and 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 for that matter we bring in the performance coaches itself but it isn't often when we talk about the culture as it relates to the medical staff uh so what is that like within your department not necessarily the entire team i'm sure you have common core values but do yeah. they differentiate uh, or is there a difference no absolutely and I, I would say something that's a little bit more unique with within orlando city with with our department and you know, I think you start to see it a little bit more in the professional setting, the elite sports setting is, you know, you, you always hear athletic training is the, you know, the jack of all trades, the master of none, right? Because in most settings, think of the high school, um, smaller universities, the athletic trainer has to do everything. Um, and which is, 
you know, part of the reason why, why I love the profession is there's so many different routes and different aspects of medicine and performance that we can be involved with. But once you get to the professional setting, the elite setting where you have more than one athletic trainer, you know, we're fortunate enough to have um, four athletic trainers with, with our MLS team. Three is the, the league standard. But what that allows us to do is it allows us to start to become specialists within different aspects of athletic training. Um, so for instance, you know, my, myself as the head, you know, I've started to dive more in and, and, you know, this is huge props to the support that we receive from the club as well. And they're allowing us to, you know, take these various courses and, and improve ourselves to become, you know, eventually masters in these different aspects. Um, but for myself, I'm, I'm more of, you know, the, the physician extender for lack of a better term, because, you know, as the head, I, I, you know, more oversee, you know, the, the relationships between our healthcare partner, our coaching staff, you know, all the, the various stakeholders, if a new injury comes up, I'm the one responsible for, for getting that diagnosis and whatever that step may look like and making sure all that communication, um, is done and, and done efficiently. But then we have another athletic trainer who more focuses in on, on the rehab component. Then we have another athletic trainer who focuses on, um, the, the overall rehab or head of rehab, but then more specifically that end phase rehab. So running those field sessions and preparing that athlete for when they do get back with the group, um, and ensuring that, that we're setting them up for success. Um, and then we have another athletic trainer that's, um, more gym focused and looking at athletic development. How can we get the most out of our athletes, support our strength and conditioning coach, support the coaching staff and their methodology. Um, but then with that, how do our injured athletes that have now returned to full, we don't want to forget about them. You know, they they're back, they're doing great, they're healthy, but in professional sports, you know, we're, we're always kind of going to be pushing boundaries and pushing timelines a little bit. So we always want to keep those, those boys close to us still um, and continue with them for another three, four, five weeks of very intentional and specific loading. Um, so we have all of these athletic trainers, but we're becoming specialists in the different aspects of, of the, the realm of you know, sports and sports medicine, which I think is something that's a little bit more unique. And like I said, it's, it's you know, all thanks to the support of, of the club of allowing us to sort of, you know, venture out and, and start to create something a, a little bit more unique. Yeah, I, that's, that's fantastic. I love that you, you sit at the control booth and you coordinate all aspects. Uh, and, and I see a flow chart in my head where mm -hmm. it's actually cycling through with existing players and just keeping tabs on them. But the ones that are returning to performance, whether acute or whatnot, there, there is a, a specific path that, that you've set forth. Are these interchangeable roles within your assistants or are they becoming much more of specialists or in these specialists, are they educating the rest of the training staff? Like how does, how does that work within your infrastructure of just yeah. the training department itself? Yeah, so, so it is more of, you know, each athletic trainer is becoming a specialist or is a specialist in each of those realms. But with that, still, you know, of course, acknowledging that, you know, one individual can't do it all. Um, so we all have to be informed and aware of, you know, that specific methodology or that specific programming. Uh, so there is a lot of communication within the department, within the staff, 
so that way, at any moment, any other athletic trainer can step in and and take the field session or take that specific um, you know gym session or it, maybe it's an early phase um, in the in the rehab process that's you know more table focused and all of us can do all of that. It's just those that have become the specialists within each of those realms. We we share that knowledge with each other. How does that happen? And what I mean by that is, do you dictate, hey, you're coming in here, we've got a gap here, I need you to fill this, and you're going to become the specialist? Mm -hmm. Or is it, hey, team, here are, the, here are the different arenas that we need to really delve into? Yeah. Which one really gets your gets you going? And can we can we divide and conquer so that everyone is finding their passion? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So I would say, as of right now, how we're currently situated, it, it happened very naturally. Um, so when I was fortunate enough to, to become the head athletic trainer um, um, at the start of last season, and we had a new director starting at that same time as well, um, we we knew that we wanted to try and do something different within the department. And so we had a couple, you know, we had all of our athletic trainers that are with us currently, you know, three out of the four, we were here in, in that moment. Um, so we knew right away that, you know, we each had our own focuses that we found passion in. And so we started just kind of dive into those and say, all right, you know, if you're passionate about this aspect, hey, you know, start finding courses, start reading articles, start um, investing time in yourself to become better in that. Um, but then as we've started to add staff, um, since kind of starting to develop this system, um, it has been very intentional of, Hey, you know, this, this is a gap within our department that we're trying to fill. Is this a passion of yours? Do you see yourself fitting within this system? Um, and with that, you know, having our, our MLS staff, you know, in the perfect world, you know, that that's a fine tuned machine that's, you know, functioning day in and day out. But there's always the the reality behind it of, you know, there there's turnover in in any role, right? Whether that's, you know, an athletic trainer moving on to a different club for, you know, a better position, getting a promotion somewhere else. Which, you know, if if a staff member ever leaves us, we always want to see it, you know, moving up somewhere else. So what we've also tried to um, begin to work on is each of those other athletic trainers within our system, with our second team, with our academy, we make sure that they are also on their own, you know, learning and development path. Um, and so what that will end up causing is within the entire club, the entire system will have, you know, two athletic trainers potentially, you know, working on that same specialty with a senior athletic trainer sort of becoming the mentor for um, that younger athletic trainer within the system. So then in a perfect world, you know, when one of our, our athletic trainers do get that opportunity to move on to, um, you know, a promoted position somewhere else, we've already created, you know, their, their backup, their support. Um, so it's sort of ideally will flow pretty seamlessly within our system. Yeah. Brilliant. It's just the teacher and student and student becomes a teacher eventually. And so exactly. on. So do, are you creating user manuals in each of these kind of, uh, I would say departments of training? Is this some of the process? Like they go out, they get continuing education, they get uh, follow their pursuits and passions learn, bring it back, and then they are documenting it all so that when they do leave, if they do leave, then they pass the torch in the form of a three-ring binder and say, mm -hmm. here's where we are currently. 
yeah, that that's spot on. That's actually, you know, the the big project that we're working through right now is, you know, creating, you know, a big document of essentially, you know, the, the Orlando City way, you know, how do we function as a department? And and ideally that will, you know, outlive any of us, right? If if one of us or all of us, you know, for whatever reasons, if, if we end up moving on to different roles, different positions, then you know, that fundamental uh, methodology can can live on and basically have that that blueprint of, hey, whoever stepped into this role, you know, we, we've done the heavy lifting for you. Just step right in and, and, you know, keep it moving in the right direction. Yeah, well, you're in the land of uh, Orlando, amazing uh, entertainment corporations that have systematized everything. So it, it doesn't surprise me you're doing some something similar. So if you could reiterate, or maybe just if you could give me if you've created titles within each of these training departments mm -hmm. we'll say like is there acute rehab is there mm -hmm. re uh return to player performance and then yep. rehab strength and yep. then there's follow-up training i mean how, how does it what are the departments absolutely yeah so um you know the head athletic trainer you know that that role kind of you know sits within itself but sort of like a a better descriptor like, like i mentioned before you know sort of that that physician extender um, and then we have our head of rehabilitation, um, but then that individual, um, he oversees the, the specifically the on-field return to play. Um, so more, you know, kind of sits back and, and helps observe and guides, um, the rehabs as a whole. But then as soon as that athlete is getting to that, that end phase or starting to step foot on the field, um, then him, uh, Matt, Matt Ramirez, he's stepping in and he's guiding those, he's performing those, writing them up. Um, then we have uh, Mitch Toda. He's, he's our um, athletic therapist. So more of that, that, you know, traditional PT style um, who is taking more of those long-term rehabs and um, overseeing those, you know, the post-surgical cases, things like that, and providing a lot of support for our academy uh, athletic trainers as well, and just providing some of that senior guidance for, for their rehabs. And then, um, our fourth athletic trainer, uh, Sergio, he is more of our athletic development. Um, so he is the one who he's in the gym supporting within the rehabs um, at first and just doing what is needed to get this athlete strong, get them fit, get them fast again, while, of course, respecting that tissue healing process. It's one of the big things, you know, we, if an athlete's out, you know, four, six, 10 weeks, we want to make sure that they're not going to skip a beat. When, when they're getting back in. Um, so his role is, is essential in making sure that that athlete is still an athlete, even through a rehab process where maybe they're not able to you know, be on the pitch and have that soccer identity. They're still able to feel like an athlete and perform like an athlete um, you know, daily. So you guys are near the top of the East right now. And by the time this airs, you're already in the playoffs. Uh, you've secured your spot. It's just a question of who you're going against. So mm -hmm. first of all, congratulations for making Thank it you. to the postseason uh, for such a young team. But a big component of that is keeping your team healthy or mitigating game-ending injuries or even season-ending. That's the worst you could hope for, obviously, mm -hmm. or career-ending, I guess, would be the the ultimate, but how, how yeah. do you do that? How do you mitigate? Uh, what has been your success over this season in regards to that? And I know it's multifaceted, but within your athletic training department, what, yeah. what do you award that to? Yeah. You know, like, just like you said, it's, it's a, 
a lot of factors that go into it. You know, some of the the more unique ones that we've been able to uh, start to dive into is um, our, our recovery, our recovery and and monitoring our athletes has become a, a very large part of our system. Um, you know, we're, we're tracking their sleep, we're tracking their recovery, both, you know, subjectively and objectively as well. Um, you know, tracking their internal inflammation markers. So at times we've been able to identify, you know, this, this athlete is, is going to become sick or ill within the next 24 to 48 hours, but they don't know it yet because we've been able to track, you know, their, their internal inflammation markers, their, their CRP levels. So we've been able to be very proactive in some cases. Um, but then also, you know, through the support of the rest of our, you know, interdisciplinary staff, our massage therapist team that's in our, our chiropractor, our, our physicians, you know, working well with the coaches and the coaches, you know, respecting the data and, and monitoring the load when needed for, for some of these athletes. Um, you know, I, I think those are just some of the, the main factors that are involved in, in the availability. And, you know, we've been fortunate enough, like you said, to keep, you know, most of the players on the field for, uh, you know, most of the matches within our, our core group of, of players, you know, the starting, you know, 13, 14 guys, um, you know, we're fortunate enough, knock on wood, of, of 97% availability, which is, you know, even we sit back and we're like, this is sort of a unheard of. And again, you know, as long as everything goes according to plan, um, potentially having 100% availability going into playoffs, which is, you know, un- unheard of. And we're, we're it still, really is. You know, <laughs> so kind of uh, in shock of it as well, but it's, it's, it's been exciting. It's been fun. So in, in some major leagues, there is the player's right to privacy and they will dictate what it is in terms of like wearable technology testing mm-hmm. and so on that they are okay with which they approve and yep. and other times they'll say you know I, I don't want you knowing this so yep. where is the mls with that I mean, it sounds like you have i won't say invasive but in-depth mm-hmm. assessment tools whether it's blood testing for yep. um, or urine testing uh, how do you get the inflammation markers? Is it through blood or urine testing that you That's do blood. that? Yep. Blood. blood. And and so is that something you do uh, with regularity amongst mm-hmm. all the players? Yeah, so we'll we'll do that um, at least once a week, usually match day plus two, plus three, you know, really when when that first day back is in is. Um, and, and we'll, you know, primarily only hit the guys who, you know, put in the most minutes, you know, the, the you know, the 11, 12, 13 guys or if there's any of our, our athletes that we just want to continue to monitor closely, those will be the ones that, that we'll focus on in that given week. Um, and, you know, you're, you're spot on with that, you know, within MLS, within soccer, you know, the, the data belongs to the athlete. At the end of the day, it's, it's their information. We can only do with it what they allow us to do with it. If, if they don't want us to collect it, we don't collect it. We, we, you know, we can't collect it at that point. So we've, we've been able to, you know, form really good relationships with our athletes and, and explain to them what the benefits are of this. You know, we're, we're not out here trying to keep them off the pitch, which, which a lot of athletes are, are worried about is, you know, oh, you're going to track this and now they're not going to let me train, then I'm not going to be able to play. Um, and, and we had a lot of those conversations, a lot of that, that pushback at first. And, but through, and, you know, a lot of the support of the coaching staff as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, we can only, do so much about about the load um within a given day but they've you know been able to um 
you know, work with us and look at the data and um, support the guys in that. So, you know, we'll still run into, you know, some moments of guys, you know, maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they're, you know, still a little skeptical of it, but I would say, you know, majority of, of the group, they see the value in the information that we're, we're gathering, that we're collecting. Um, and the most important thing for us is that we don't just collect the data and then, you know, we sit on it and nothing happens. And, you know, it's just there because it's, you know, pretty numbers that we can look at later. Um, we always want it to be something actionable, um, whether that's, you know, we do hydration testing, whether that's, hey, they bring it in, we run the sample as soon as it's there. If they're low, then we have, you know, our plan of action moving forward. Hey, you know, grab a bottle of water on the way out. We're going to have a specific drink for you after warmups in the middle of the session um, that, that our dietitian is, is phenomenal with, you know, guiding that process as well. If, if their CRP levels are high, then it just opens up for another conversation. Hey, how, how are you feeling? Um, you know, it's, it's led us to some really good conversations of, you know, guys stating, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, I have been a little under the weather and it opens up a whole nother conversation of, you know, maybe it's not an injury. Maybe it's not something directly related to, you know, the game, but it allows us to keep them as a person, as a whole unit healthy and then hence available for, for each week. And the and the proofs in the pudding, so to speak. I mean, if you're going into the postseason with a fully healthy team, uh, that just speaks volumes. And if it requires a little pinprick of blood here on a weekly basis after a match to ensure that we're on track, I mean, I, I think the buy-in level has increased significantly. But, you know, halfway through the season, or maybe uh, I would say almost two-thirds of the way through the season, you guys took a break because we had the cup, right? And mm -hmm. how did that affect you as a trainer in regards to your your, your schedule, your day-to-day? -day? Did that give you some breathing room, or mm -hmm. were, you, uh, were you at the uh, on the side of the pitch at the cup? I mean, how did that affect you in, in your role? Yeah, you know, with, you know, obviously a, a lot of competitions, these, these boys are playing a lot of games within within one year. Um, and so being able to, you know, have a complete stop in, in MLS play and, and you know, have the opportunity to, to compete in, in League's Cup, it, it provided a, a little bit of, you know, breathing room. Of course, you know, anytime you have a large tournament, you know, an international competition, um, you know, the team and the coaches are, are always going to want to, you know, compete to the fullest. And fortunately, you know, our guys put a really good showing um, in that tournament as well. Um, and so with that, you know, the, the schedule didn't really change much. You know, we, we kept kept going like we we normally would, you know, kept our, our regularity within the day. Then once, you know, we were unfortunately knocked out of that tournament, you know, there was a little bit of a break at that point where, you know, the guys weren't playing for another two weeks until, the season started back up again, um, which, you know, always, you know, pros and cons of, you know, you want to keep playing, you want to keep competing, but it allowed them a much needed, you know, rest and break for them to one mentally and physically reset. Um, and then same for the staff as well. Um, again, one of the, the perks of having a larger staff, having four of us with within the MLS, when the guys get, you know, two or three days off, we can rotate our staff around as well. Again, we'll almost always have someone available because um, whether it's a rehab, whether it's, you know, someone picked up a knock from the match that they, we want to try and get ahead of, we'll always have someone available, but then we're able to, you know, also value um, and support that, that personal time, that family time, which is not always very easy within, especially professional and elite sports. It's usually, Hey, you're working seven days a week. 
this is, you know, this is the the schedule. This is the plan. There's, there's no, you know, if, ands or buts, um, but something that, that we see the value and, and want to support is, you know, the only way that we as a, a, athletic trainers and support staff are gonna last long within this profession at this level is by getting a little bit of that work-life balance. And if that means, you know, rotating our staff within, you know, a given week or especially those off days, um, we, we've seen a lot of value in that. Now you're on the younger side. I'm going to give you that as a compliment. Uh, and there's a, a few other head athletic trainers in the MLS that are are quite young in their late twenties, early thirties and so on. Yeah. It just curious and, and not to cause any ripples here. Are the all, old dogs retiring? Is there just a, a, a thirst for fresh new talent, young talent coming in or, or is it just so happens it's in my awareness and, and there it's always been like this. I, I think it's a combination. You'll, you'll definitely see some of the, the veterans who have been, you know, um, you know, pushing strong for, for a while now. And, um, you know, you know, lots of younger, you know, professionals with, within the league, you know, we, we lean on them quite a bit, you know, they, time is uh, some of the best experience you can get. Um, but like I was saying, one of the biggest things within professional sports is, is the, the schedule is the time commitment that comes along with it. So at least some of the individuals that, that I've seen, you know, decide to step away from, from the profession has have been that you know they want to slow down a little bit spend more time with their family um and so i, I think it's a combination of you know they're not wanting to, to run you know a thousand miles a minute anymore and kind of slow down and and you know be able to spend more time where where they maybe have not been able to um and so then i think that's why you kind of see some of uh you know us us younger ats you know having the opportunity to to step up into you know some of the, these leadership roles and in your leadership role, you mentioned your other trainers are pursuing education information in their mm-hmm. own kind of corridor. What, what's your corridor look like? Are you going for um, more insight and information on communication, on logistics, strategies? Is it more toward the medical side? Where, where's your focus for education? Yeah, so, so I'd say it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, so this year specifically, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time um, very intentionally working on, on my leadership, um, you know, my organizational leadership, you know, strategic thinking. Um, so more of, you know, how can we continue to move this department in the right, right direction? How can I personally support um, my staff, get the most out of them, um, show them that, that they're valued while keeping the success that, that we've had? Um, but with that, still not wanting to um, you know, skip a beat on the medical side as well. Um, so like for myself personally, working through, you know, some, some ultrasound courses. So that way, um, you know, I can have that tool in, in my back pocket as well of, you know, of course, always having to, you know, work with and, and consult with our physicians, but, you know, being able to have the opportunity to, you know, grab a quick ultrasound of, you know, a new muscle injury, and then share those images with our physicians for their evaluation, because, you know, Unlike, uh, you know, the football clubs over, over in Europe, you know, we don't, we don't have a physician on site every day. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's us making the decisions and, and making the progressions and those initial evaluations, you know, I'd say 99% of the time. So being able to have um, some more of those, you know, clinical evaluation tools um, and experiences in, in my back pocket um, is something that, that is definitely valuable. 
So within the framework of strength conditioning, there's been advances with technology and the last decade and a half or so, force plate technology, mm -hmm. velocity-based training, wearable tech, and so on. What's, what's the biggest innovations or the, the greatest changes for efficacy when it comes to athletic training? I know there's, there, you've borrowed from traditional Chinese medicine or Eastern philosophies when it comes to cupping and dry needling. Is mm -hmm. that mainly in the forefront or is there something else? Yeah, you know, we, we of course utilize, you know, a lot of those uh, techniques, you know, dry needling, cupping. Um, we, we rely pretty heavily on, on manual therapy. You know, our, um, our population within our team is, is very South American um, strong. And, you know, those individuals are, you know, more of that, that manual therapy relationship building, you know, connection that that's what they want. That's what they want to see. And obviously there's been great results with that as well. I would say within more of the, the performance realm, um, you know, the the technology is is incredible the the advances that have been made and and of course being you know professional team we're fortunate enough to you know have the opportunity to work with most of those different technologies i would say the ones that we've seen the most value in um are you know the we have the full vault system the force decks the force frame um the nord board so i would say technology like that um, especially with following that rehab process that return to play process of having objective outcomes um, as a clinician have been you know very valuable for us yeah that that completely makes sense so when it comes to manual therapy there's so many different methodologies so many different approaches um, whatever technique somebody uses there's always something else to to complement it or or to contradict it, uh, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it. But I guess one of the things that has really been taking the forefront when it comes to manual therapy is fascial research. And so how does that overlay into the current manual approaches that you're doing? Are you taking on more of the, the direction toward unlocking fascial slings or trains or however you would like to place it? I mean, what it does that, that must come into play. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's something that we've started to dive in quite a bit this season is, you know, not just getting too locked in or focused on, you know, the, the injury itself and just that one specific body part, but always looking at the body as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's one organism, it's one mechanism and, and it all works together. Um, if there's a deficit somewhere, there's most likely going to be uh, a cause or at least another deficit somewhere else that we can address. Um, so following those, those fascial trains, those fascial lines um, have been a large part of, of our process, um, even with just the, the preventative aspect as well. Um, being able to you know, ID those early and start to address those within corrective exercise, um, which you know, we're fortunate enough that we, I would say we have most of our team come through um, an activation almost every day where we as clinicians can, can start to drop in a lot of those corrective exercises, you know, programming, um, whether it's, you know, just sort of a general, like, Hey, almost every athlete is going to benefit from this. Um, you know, as a soccer player, we know that, you know, on your dominant leg, your kicking leg, your anterior chain is going to get cranked forward. You're going to start to get this tension in the posterior aspect. So your glute may not be firing appropriately. So allowing them to then reset their body through very intentional, you know, non-fatiguing exercises. So that way they're you know, 
not settle for failure once they get back on the pitch for for the session and you know but still still addressing some of those on on a daily uh daily time are we talking like rpr calditza's reset performance or re, uh, reflexive performance reset something along that line yeah yeah very very similar to that yeah very cool and let's just talk a moment about common injuries you know, whether it be a high hamstring pulls acls what inversion sprains subconcussive mm-hmm. injuries maybe low back and what am i missing anything i would say the the big one that's you know floating around at least with us personally quads um is quads. Ha, has been a big one you know the quads the hip flexors um hamstrings are spot on with that unfortunately knock on wood acls they're major you know uh time loss injuries but fortunately not as common um even though you know it, it's, it's a major part of you know all conversations but um you know you'll see the hamstring like you mentioned the quads the, the adductors the groins variations of that and do, do you have, obviously within the strength world, there is going to be uh, an approach to help mitigate, to prepare for chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about within the medical framework training? Is the, How do you complement pre- preparing for chaos, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say, you know, within our, our uh, rehabilitation or return to play process, you know, we have very intentional um, exercises and programming that we have you know, sort of our methodology of for each of those exercises. And then, you know, what's the the biggest factor to injury is, you know, history of injury. So if we know we have an individual who, you know, is prone to, you know, quad injuries, you know, rec fem strains, if they're, you know, a winger who's always crossing balls type of thing, then we know that, hey, this individual, we need to be very intentional, even especially when they're healthy, to be sure that that it doesn't become an issue, that they continue their, um, you know, corrective programs or preventative programming. Um, so there is a, a lot of uh, intentional work that we'll do, um, if not daily, almost, you know, at least every other day on, you know, a majority of our players. And are you just with the first team or are you overseeing the academy and, and development teams as well? Yeah, so I, I oversee the um, our second team and our academy as well. Correct. Brother, how do you do it all? That's crazy. It's, it's, like when it's do you lot. sleep? Do lot. you get like what, like a ninety-minute sleep session? They they don't monitor your sleep. I'm sure they don't trick you with a needle. You're, yeah. You don't. Yeah, you're no, always. No, I, they uh they, they told me they didn't want me to wear uh, an aura ring because I I I throw all the data <laughs> off. <laughs> I bet that's crazy. So okay, how do you manage that? I'm curious, just yeah. from from like a a pie chart perspective. Mm-hmm. Where is the academy and the second team? Of course, the first team is going to have the biggest wedge, I would imagine. Yep. But Always, what about yeah. the others? Yes, you know, I'm. I, you know, at the start of this, I, I have to, you know, give huge props to the rest of my, you know, first team staff. Um, you know, our our head of rehab does an incredible job of of managing all of those rehabs throughout the entire department, um, you know, department as well. So it's not just myself who, you know, I'm not uh, the only one having a hand in all of the teams. I would say it's almost all of our first team athletic trainers are having a hand in each different level. Um, and, and the reason for that being is, you know, the, the care, the level of care that we give to a first team player, we want to, at least to the best of our ability, provide that to, you know, our youngest age group, you know, our, our 15s or 17s or our 13s as well. Cause you know, especially in, in the modern era of, of soccer, 
the development is your future within the club. Um, and anything that we can do to support that growth and support, you know, getting an athlete from joining the club at, you know, 10, 11, 12 to eventually playing first team minutes or, you know, have an opportunity to go over to Europe. Like if we can have a small, uh, you know, part of that process, then, then, you know, that that's a huge part of, uh, of our focus as well. Um, but I would say, you know, as far as, you know, time management and, and um, allocating time for each of those um, for me, it's sort of the, the, the bulk of the day, just like you said, is, is the MLS is, is our senior players. Cause that at the end of the day, that's, that's top priority. Um, but at the, at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, um, kind of bookend where we will um, support mentor, give advice and guidance um, to our second team in our Academy as well. So really just making sure that one at the beginning of the day, they have what they need. They have the plans they need. If they have any questions, they can run it by us. If, if we need to go talk with, um, you know, the Academy director or one of the coaches down on that end, then we have that opportunity. Um, whereas, you know, we, we try and always uh, support and empower our uh, other athletic trainers to be able to also step into those conversations and meetings. Um, but if they need that support, of course, we're always here for them. And then at the, the end of the day, um, we'll actually bring our entire department. So all, uh, I guess we're up to seven athletic trainers within our entire department will bring everyone together and, and have a debrief of the day um, all the way down from, you know, the, the U15 um, rehab that they're taking through, you know, making sure that, Hey, what'd you guys do today? Was that successful? Here's the plan moving forward for the rest of the week. You guys are good with that. Excellent. Um, and then all the way up to our senior players of, of what management needs to be done with them as well. Um, so yeah, we, we try and keep, the entire department, you know, as, as close and as, you know, on the same page as possible. That's formidable. That's fantastic. So if we could look at these three groups, academy, second team, and your first team, your MLS mm -hmm. uh, starters and so on, in regards to injury, I'm I, in the back of my head, I'm, I'm trying to feel like I'm in Vegas. And I'm going to place a wager here with my, with my thought, the, the academy they are in skill development and yep. they haven't reached their peak strength or power levels because they're typically younger and they're in their teenage years. So injury level is going to be, um, it's going to be there, mm -hmm. but the second team now, second team has improved their skill development and now they're learning how to control increased peak performance and power and, mm -hmm. and there is more chaos there that could yep. potentially hit. So, uh, and then the MLS team, well, they have fine tuned those things to the point where only minute adjustments are going to be needed to get them to a higher level performance. So that middle ground of the second team, I mm -hmm. see if you looked at uh, a graph, that, that would be the, the peak area well, in terms of likelihood of injury. Am, am I in the right kind of, um, am I in the right neighborhood yeah. or is it completely different? No, absolutely. I think you're pretty spot on with that. Um, you know, I, I will say, I think we were fortunate enough that our, our second team this year was, um, we were able to, to keep them pretty healthy, but you do see a lot of that. That's definitely the biggest jump in an athlete's career is going from the academy. And now you're, you're playing professional at this point, you know, that that's professional league. And the interesting thing about, um, you know, that second division and MLS next pro is you have that core guys of 
MLS next pro contracts, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys that, that are there, you know, they're our OCB core group, but then you're going to get that handful of guys from the Academy, you know, the higher level U 17 players who are going to also get minutes, but then you're going to get some of those first team players who maybe, you know, they're a younger homegrown who's just not getting as many minutes um, and exposure with the MLS. So they're going to drop down as well. Um, so that way they can continue to develop and grow as an athlete. So you really have this, this combination of these three different levels, skill sets, you know, age groups as well, all playing together on, on one pitch, on one field. And the, the fun thing with that is, you know, you, you see the different dynamics of a young athlete getting that exposure, whether it's, you know, the intensity of the training, the leadership from, um, from the more experienced players, um, just being able to play professional minutes, you know, you know, some of them for the first time in their life. Um, and so a lot of that jump, especially for those U 17 kids, it's, it's a big jump, a big jump up for them. Um, but then also sort of looking at the, the very beginning of, um, you know, our athletes life cycle within the club is when an athlete first starts within, you know, the U15, the U17, depending on when they're brought into our system, um, you know, they're, they're going from playing, you know, club ball, you know, maybe they're playing in the afternoons for a couple hours. Um, once they're in our system within our, our more senior academy levels, the 15s, 17s, um, now we have a 19s as well, um, you know, they're, they're on the same schedule that our professionals are. You know, they're showing up, they're training in the morning, um, we have a, a school on site. So then they go upstairs, they have, you know, class for three, four five hours. And then most days they'll then come back down and have maybe a video session or, you know, a real quick, you know, walkthrough on the pitch of, of a technical session, a position specific. So now they've gone from, you know, a, a young athlete who, you know, just plays sports in the afternoons for a couple hours to, Hey, this is, you know, becoming part of your identity. This is, you know, your life that, and for us to then support them and, and, and that large jump from whether it's level of play, um, intensity of the training session, um, just length of day as well. Um, you know, that will also see some of that increased, um, injury, um, at that, uh, age group as well, just cause it's, it's a large, a large jump for them physically, mentally, um, and they're, you know, they're kids, you know, when I was 15, 17, I, I was not nearly as a, as mentally strong and, and a pro that some of these kids are that, that are coming through. Well, that's really cool. And what a, what a great place you are in life to, to have this position, to have, uh, the, the ability to learn so much from those around you and to, to share your own knowledge. This is, this has been a really fun conversation. I appreciate you and, and the time that you've devoted to this. I know you got a match tonight and I wish you the best. And, Thank and you. of course, this is again, airing while you're in the postseason. So mm -hmm. hope that you can go far with the team. Now, if people were interested in, uh, in learning more about one Orlando city SC mm -hmm. and the athletic training department, where could we go as well as if you do social media, can we follow you? I'll put the links in the description below, but can you share some of that with us? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say uh, LinkedIn is probably going to be the, the best spot to see more of the, the professional side of things. Um, I'm on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, all that. You'll, you'll probably uh, most of the time just see uh, photos of my two-year-old. Um, <laughs> but nice. you know, you, you'll get a little bit dropped in of, of um, 
you know, some different, you know, theories and methodology, but um, LinkedIn is definitely the, the spot that we'll try and, you know, within our whole department, drop some of those, you know, little bits of knowledge uh, here or there, some of our experiences. Um, but yeah, no, and absolutely. And I'm open to, you know, any and all conversations and uh, network opportunities. Right on, Tyler. Thank you so much for coming on. I've truly enjoyed it. Excellent. No, thank you, Rocky. Thank you for the time. And that's it for this episode of Zell's Podcast. I want to thank Orlando City SC and Tyler Killinger for coming on and sharing some really nice insight on what it means to be a head athletic trainer in Major League Soccer. We'll see you next week.